This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hey everybody, welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. I'm Ari Mizell, and last time my co-host was my my uh, newborn twin, Sebastian. This week I've got Lucas helping me out here. So the interview today is with Andrew Cohen from Brainscape, which is an accelerated learning platform, and uh, I'll let him explain it more, but I've been using this platform to learn Spanish from scratch, uh, work on my French and do some geography and history stuff, and it's been actually a lot of fun. So uh, I hope you enjoy that interview. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, Fancy Hands, who you all know I love, Fancy Hands being the virtual assistant company that makes life better, has a couple features that they may be new, but I just I've discovered them this week, and one of which is called Personal Touch. One of the it's not a complaint, but I guess one of the downsides to using a on-demand virtual assistant service is that you're always going to have someone different helping you, which is great because that means you can do more volume and there's 24-hour service and you benefit from different people's perspectives and techniques. But what some people don't like about it is that they can never tell somebody, oh, my assistant Carol will help you out or my assistant Joe will help you out because you really never know who is going to be helping you. Well, Fancy Hands has now added what they call personal touch, where you can have Fancy Hands use an email on your own domain, and you can even give the assistant whatever name you want. So it's just one more feature that makes Fancy Hands awesome. They also have Evernote integration. Now, you all also know how much I love Evernote. Basically, what it does is every task you submit and every response they give you and every file that's exchanged can be automatically put into an Evernote notebook. And the nice thing about that is that then it's searchable with all of your other Evernote notes. So it's just a really nice kind of record to have. And if you need to access a file or check what took place between you and an assistant, it's a really good way to have that. I discovered a cool website this week and there's no way I'm going to pronounce this name right, but it's called Schlusel, and the link will be with the podcast post. But Schlusel basically lets you take a picture of your key, your house key or whatever, both sides of it, and they will mail you a copy of the key for five bucks. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned, especially for somebody who manages a lot of real estate properties. I don't have to have a whole box of backup keys now. I can just have pictures of keys for different apartments. A new tenant moves in, I can just pull up a picture and order new keys. It's kind of an amazing thing. So definitely check out Schlusel. And Boomerang Calendar, which is something that I've talked about before and I've used it in my Gmail course, Boomerang is the service that allows you to delay the sending of emails and also has some of the functionality like followup.cc, but it's all native to Gmail. Boomerang Calendar adds some really cool features to your Google Calendar, or you're actually through Gmail. So if somebody sends you an email and it says, are you available these dates, it'll automatically highlight it in green if you're available and red if you're not, which it's been doing for a while. But one of the new features that they have, which is really nice, 
is if somebody wants to know your availability, you can do one click and it will embed a an outlook basically for the next three or four days or the next week, depending on what you choose, and it will show when you're free and when you're busy. Obviously, I like schedule once for having people schedule appointments, but if it's a situation where you just kind of want to show somebody what the week looks like and let them pick or it's a friend and you just want to make it really easy for them, this is a really nice added feature of Boomerang. So that's it for my part of this week. Uh, please listen to the interview and see what you think. Uh, oh, actually, no, that does remind me. So I've changed up my newsletter a little bit. And if you're not a member of the newsletter, please go to the website and sign up for it because I promise you that I'm putting out interesting stuff that I know you'll like. Uh, I rarely actually use it for kind of announcement stuff. What I started doing a couple weeks ago is every Wednesday I send out to my mailing list two studies for the week, one about productivity and one about wellness, with just a paragraph of my kind of two cents and analysis of it. And ideally, the ones that I pick are going to be ones that give you something actionable that you can do. So, so far the response has been good. And please, if you like it, sign up and uh, forward it to your friends. And with that, here's... Today we are talking with Andrew Cullen of Brainscape. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, how you doing? All right. So thanks for taking the time. Uh, so first of all, um, just tell everybody what Brainscape is. Brainscape is a mobile education platform that helps you learn things faster based on cognitive science. And at the core of the system is the fact that spacing the repetition of various items is the single most important factor in how well you're going to remember something. So uh, as you study items in Brainscape, whether it's national capitals or Spanish verb conjugations or Supreme Court cases or medical diagrams, Brainscape is sure to repeat the concepts in a pattern that makes sense for your brain based on your own confidence rating. So we're talking about accelerated learning, obviously, which is always something that is appealing to the audience. You know, we, if you're improving your performance and you're making more space in your brain, ideally, you want to be able to do something with it. So accelerated learning is a huge one. And languages are always kind of, I think, where people go to first. So I, I do personally use Brainscape to improve my French, start from scratch and learning Spanish. Uh, and I've actually used it now for U.S. capitals and some South American capitals. And it, it's basically kind of a, a flashcard system on steroids. But, but one of the questions that I have is the uniqueness, obviously, which people haven't seen the app, but you'll explain this, is that you self-rate how well you understand the information, right? That's right. So why is that important? For a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, if you wanted to have a system that grades you and tells you whether each concept is right or wrong, that involves either multiple choice, where it's just recognition, and that's been proven to be a far less effective learning strategy than active recall, which is you actively remembering the answer without seeing it on a list of multiple choices. Uh, and the other alternative would be um, just typed input. Uh, so you would type the national capital or, or whatever it is that you're trying to learn. And that might work for certain one-word answers or vocabulary, but it wouldn't work for something like explain the causes of World War One. 
So by, by asking you to think about the answer and then you simply reveal it, you're being honest with yourself. You're actively recalling the information, which is uh, bringing it from the, the deeper layer than just recognition. And then by rating your own confidence, you're evaluating that piece of knowledge at an even deeper level by asking yourself, do I truly know this well enough to remember it the next time I'm asked? And that double layer of, of self-assessment uh, helps even, even just that initial memory trace before even taking into account the system of repetition. Yeah, and so the, the great thing about that, obviously, is you're, we're, we're really differentiating here between memorization and actually understanding. You know, and mm-hmm. memorization works in lots of situations, but if you don't understand the greater concepts or you don't really ingrain that, then it's not going to be nearly as useful to you for daily activities or for even, you know, future business or personal aspirations. So mm-hmm. where is this content coming from? Where, are you guys creating all this, or how does it work? So Brainscape offers both a content authoring platform if you want to create your own flashcards for a subject. Let's say you're in a biology class, uh, and, and even invite your friends or if you're a teacher or your students to collaboratively create all that content. Uh, but then once, once you're in the playpen and you're creating and sharing, you notice that we have a marketplace of, of great premium content that's created by experts around the world. And at its, in a current form, Brainscape is, is flashcards, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, your, yourself or your friends or, or subject matter experts create. But we, we do want to make sure that they're still integrated into a more holistic learning experience. Uh, we, we obviously realize that flashcards can never be the sole way you learn anything. If it's a language, you need to be you know, having real conversations with people, obviously, or, or doing reading for comprehension. If you're learning uh, you know, from medical school, you need to be doing hands-on activities with, with cadavers or patients uh, and case studies to, to truly wrap your head around it. But there's, there's a knowledge component to every subject. And by, by optimizing that, Brainscape helps get the memorization piece out of the classroom and really fulfill our time that we, we have with other people and, and our educators to do truly more valuable and project-based types of learning. So, what, well, so one of the questions I have actually going through this all was, since it's spaced repetition, you know, which is really this idea that, you know, there's certain intervals where if you repeat information, it's going to get ingrained better. When I rate myself, when I'm going through the, the uh, different lessons, I feel like I tend to do it very quickly. Like I can do something, click it, say it's a three, and move on. Does that affect the spacing or how well you get it if you kind of race through it a little bit, even if you really feel like you're understanding it? That's a great question. I think it it ties into the broader question of are there other inputs that we can use to determine how soon the user needs to review the piece of information again, other than just the user's confidence? And uh, the, the first part of that answer is that we're actually remarkably good at assessing our own confidence, even when we're quick about it. And there's, there's lots of studies that, that show that, that we're, we're pretty accurate in knowing how well we are going to remember something for a while. But even in cases where, where you know, we're not, or, or in cases where we're just reading quickly and may not be perfect, uh, there, are, there are other factors um, that could come into play of how quickly you're going to rate something. Maybe some people... Uh, or the same person some of the time 
if they know it really well, they'll, yeah, 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 of course I know that, or of course I don't know that, and I'll give it a one, um, and rate it very quickly, whereas some people just second-guess themselves or second-guess a piece of information, it might take a minute to finally say, you know what, too. Uh, so, so using that rubric consistently to, to gauge, uh, how well the user really knows it, um, isn't, isn't the, the perfect, um, complementary metric. Really, you know, asking, seeing how long it took them to answer the question. Uh, but that said, we, we can use other metrics based on the crowd. And, um, the more data we have, uh, about certain subjects or certain items in a subject, the more we'll be able to objectively determine is this a statistically difficult concept because lots of users say rate themselves a one the first time they see it, or is it statistically a, a easy concept that people generally tend to upgrade their confidence quickly? And we can use that crowd-determined ease of each piece of information as another really important metric in the optimization of your overall study patterns. I see. Now, how complex of information will this work for? Uh, you know, obviously with flashcards, you know, like you said, it's not just, you know, one or two word answer like you have a cause of World War I, but um, it, this, this will work for audio stuff and visual stuff too, right? Well, you can have flashcards that are a, a diagram, like a medical diagram or a map um, on, the, on the front and then you, you identify it or, or image recognition, right, who is the politician. Um, we have music theory content that have uh, interval training activities and chord recognition activities to see, you know, do you recognize what chord this is, the answer uh, on the other side, you know, being identifying it, and then how well did I know that. Um, so there's, there's other types of media, um, but even even complex um, concepts that could be in a, in a science or, or history class can, in fact, be, be flashcardized. And I think, I think the sometimes backlash you get for, for memorization or for general practice in education uh, is is really better placed thinking about it as people are, are against memorizing trivial knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And I totally agree with that. Nobody should be making flashcards to memorize dates. That's always the proverbial example that, that uh, constructivist teachers use. Right? We shouldn't be teaching kids to memorize dates on flashcards. Uh, but you can take a concept, like the example I, I mentioned earlier, uh, what were the causes of World War One? And the answer could be three bullets on the backside, or uh, or the answer to, to some you know complex question could be a single main answer with you know two supplementary paragraphs and very small text underneath. So it's it's really it's the art of taking complex subjects and breaking them into their component parts, so that you could then review such complexity in flashcards that are in just as bite sized of a of a morsel as they really need to be. Yeah, so I mean, the, it, the possibilities are actually, I mean, I think are very, very exciting. You know, there's that subject that you always wanted to learn, but just didn't have the time or didn't really know a method. This universally seems to work really, really well because after I've tried it, after I tried it, I've, I've uh, recommended this to several other people and everybody's had a really positive experience. Uh, whether it was brushing up on a concept that, or a, a subject that they were already familiar with or starting something completely completely new to them. So, again, the, the possibilities here for brain expansion are, are amazing. Uh, so, Andrew, the last question that I always like to ask people on the podcast is what are your personal top three productivity tips that just help you be more awesome? Uh, 
I was afraid you'd ask me that, uh, and and uh, having to make recommendations to to Ari Mazel, who's written the book on that stuff, is a uh, is a challenge. But I, I might I might recycle some of the stuff that you've uh, suggested, or I think you have. Um, the first one, which just you know a couple years ago really transformed my productivity, is is just committing to stay at inbox zero, or at least you know inbox five, uh, on a on a consistent basis at the end of of every day, if possible. And that, that involves uh, taking the Ohio method, only handle it once, whether it's responding right away, archiving it, or deleting it if it's junk, just, just get it out of my inbox or put it on a task list. So that's number one. Uh, number two is really commit to learning keyboard shortcuts. Um, even Gmail has them, which a lot of people don't know, and you, could, you can enable them. But giving yourself 10 to 15 minutes, you know, per software program you use, whether it's Excel, whether it's uh, just in a browser, uh, whether it's your Mac or, or uh, Windows navigation system, uh, take 10 minutes for each of them to just drill yourself on those keyboard shortcuts. And there are many more that, that you probably could be using that you don't realize it. Um, we, we did at Brainscape a keyboard shortcuts awareness week about two years ago uh, and calculated the amount of time that we lose, even if it's just one minute uh, or one second per minute um, of lost productivity by not using keyboard shortcuts. We're losing eight years of per, or eight days of productivity per year uh, for every one minute of uh, of lost work. So that's a lot. And, and, and is there a is there a keyboard shortcut module on Brainscape? There actually is. If you uh, go to Brainscape Market under Technology uh, and then uh, look at keyboard shortcuts, you can get the whole package, or you can get uh, even individual ones for for the different subjects. Um, right. I, I don't know if. Um, just flashcards alone is uh, is the best way to memorize keyboard shortcuts, but great way to, during your downtime uh, on the subway or whatever, drill yourself, get them into your head, and then uh, implement them next time you're, you're at a desk. Um, and the third one, so stay in inbox zero, learn keyboard shortcuts. And then the third one, uh, to borrow from Keith Ferrazzi's phrase, is never eat alone. Every day, try to make a point of, proactively reaching out to someone who is awesome and you'd like to meet. Uh, and, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it takes some legwork and some hustle, but reach out to the person, have a reason why you want to talk to them, uh, to pick their brain about something, to possibly offer something for them. Uh, but the, the strength of your network is directly proportional to your value, whether it's as an entrepreneur, a marketer, a, even a teacher or, or anything. The more people you know, the more serendipitous, awesome things will happen for you as a result, uh, with with less and less need for work on your part. You know, Andrew, those are actually really, really great ones. Uh, Inbox Zero is one that comes up a lot, and I'm glad to hear that, though, because it always just reinforces the point. But nobody's ever mentioned keyboard shortcuts, which is directly relatable to being able to save time, and you've given even a quantification for that. So I love that one. Uh, and no one's ever mentioned that idea of reaching out to somebody awesome every day. And I think that that's a really, really important point because, first of all, you can't have a hope of succeeding if you don't even try. And, you know, if you're surrounding your people with – surrounding yourself with people who are doing cool things or doing better things than you think you are, then you have a really good chance of having some of that kind of rub off on you. So I think those are – Really, really great suggestions, and they're very actionable for people listening to the podcast. So, uh, anyway, with that, Andrew, tell everybody where they can find out more. I definitely will. 
No, tell, give us the URL so people can where they can find out more about Brainscape. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it cut off for a second. Brainscape is at brainscape.com, B-R-A-I-N-S-C-A-P-E.com. Or you can simply follow us on Twitter at Brainscape to keep abreast of what we're doing and just our thoughts on the education technology and cognitive science revolutions in general. And, of course, uh, download our app on Brain, on iTunes. It is free, Brainscape. Great. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you for helping people revolutionize the way they learn things. And uh, we, uh, I, I, I hope to keep learning. Thank you, Ari, and uh, we're glad that you're using Brainscape. Thanks again.